0: But it can buy me a boat. There's a place where the boat is from. listening to the always be booked caribbean cruise and orlando vacation cruise cast with your host Tommy Casabona.
1: All aboard and welcome ladies and gentlemen to the always be booked cruise cast show coming to you not quite live from Orlando, Florida. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to find, download and listen to the show as we cover anything and everything relating to cruising. As usual, please follow me on Instagram, always be booked, or you can search ABB Cruising. iTunes, please rate, review, subscribe, share, whatever you can do. Share with a friend who likes cruising, somebody who likes podcasts, somebody who just likes to travel, whatever. You could also find us on Stitcher. Please check us out there, review as well. We're also on YouTube, not necessarily so active on YouTube, but we are there and we put stuff up. There's some funny videos, some highlights, some uh, recent cruise montages, and some kind of just, I guess, carefully selected clips of things that happen on cruises. And I'll kind of share stuff too on there as well. Uh, You can check Always Be Booked on Facebook. Uh, Same thing, not overly, I guess, active on Facebook. I do have a little bit of a plan for Facebook, what I uh hopefully want to do is do a recommended youtube video of the week on facebook and very very simple i don't know how many things you need to be on at the end of the day you're on instagram doing the podcast uh not twitter presence is pretty much non-existent whatsoever but i guess i know i'm supposed to be on everything you're supposed to have a presence everywhere but shoot me i don't uh you could also email me this is a thing where really kind of cool it's kind of i'm kind of pumped up about how many emails i've been getting lately so continue to do that i'm going to do a segment we'll talk in a minute about that but email me at tommy at alwaysbebooked.com i repeat tommy at com. getting into it a couple of updates i want to do to the show i know we're on uh tuesday here and i wanted to make that announcement i wanted to do the best I can, and I always notice that the numbers are better, the, re- the response is better, when I'm doing a show consistently as possible. We all know, we've talked about it so many times, how it's not the full-time job necessarily, so it can be a little difficult bringing things out on that Sunday every day and promising to get you something on Sunday. It can be tough. The new goal here is going to say, you know what? I'm gonna bring you a show every Tuesday. Tuesday is gonna be the day, and that'll give me a good amount of time to kind of, I guess, do some research. It'll give me a good amount of time to be consistent. Maybe I'll be done with the show on Sunday. But for purposes of knowing, so you guys can know when it's going to come out each and every week, the day is going to be Tuesday. Could be de- You may even want to consider it Wednesday because at some point t- on Tuesday, there's going to be a show. It could be early in the day. It could be middle afternoon or it could be in the evening. Uh, just know that by the end of Tuesday, there will be a show up at some point. I'm going to do a a little bit more of a segmented and concise version of the show. I told you guys, and that's not going to change, that I'm not like a professional broadcaster and I'm not going to necessarily have the most regimented show that there is. I'm not going to necessarily conform to any time constraints per se. But what I do want to do is bring you guys a little bit of a something that you can kind of expect each and every time. Like we said, we'll talk a little bit about in the beginning about random offbeat stuff. Then we'll get into cruise news. Then we'll get into the topic of the show. And then it's going to be listener emails. So we are coming to the point where enough emails are coming in so I can do a couple a week. And I mean, that, that really It pumps me up. There's a lot of them that come in that are just, you know, kind of just like, great job, Tommy. Keep the good work or, you know, more like uh, testimonials or accolade types emails. I'm not going to necessarily read all those while they all are very, very appreciated. I'm going to attack and read on the air more the ones that address specific concerns, questions, comments, and stuff like that. So please uh, keep the emails coming, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Another thing that I'm going to be doing, you may or may not love this, but it is what it is eventually, guys. This is the real world. And the reason I, the original reason for this podcast, which completely, I'll tell you, went totally out the window, was to eventually fuel some sort of a money making situation. Uh, Maybe eventually being able to transfer over into travel sales, cruise sales, and this and that. Haven't done that. I've just been having. I've fallen in love with this show. Fallen in love with just creating the content and bringing it to you and having the back and forth. Uh, So I really kind of abandoned that whole situation. I'm going to tell you this. I will be selling cruises. I am a you know whatever you want to call it a certified travel agent right now. I have a host agency. Uh, I'm going to go forward about with selling cruises. And the most important thing you need to know about that is that it's, going, that it's going to be independent of the show. I am not going to turn this show into an infomercial for a travel business or a cruise business that I'm trying to take care of. I Like I said, I've, become, I've fallen in love with the show and I really, really uh, have a passion for bringing you the content. Now, I'm not telling you I won't put an ad in in the middle of the show, but you'll know when the ad starts. You'll know when the ad ends and that'll just be me kind of just coming out with a way. Again, guys, I want to do this show all the time. I want to bring you more shows every single week. But the truth is, is that we all have other jobs. We all have things in which pay that pay our rent. And this right now is not any way close to that. Will it eventually? Uh, Maybe not likely. Maybe it will. Who knows? You never know. But what I will say is that I do have to start thinking about what I want to do as far as where I can go in terms of Turning this into something that you know again. And by the way, it's also not free. Not that you want to hear any of this, but it's not free. There's bandwidth. There's you know the ho- the uh, the uh, affiliated company that I do through the uh, through the podcast that is like a uh, quote-unquote the server that hosts the podcast uh, pay for that and that increases more and more the more shows you do the more money it costs um, you know there's the website there's everything there's just the time that's involved there is a cost associated to a lot of this stuff so at the very least I'd love to get that stuff paid for if, if at all possible but again at the end of the day it is a labor of love I have my full-time work which I'm very very dedicated to and I have also become very very in love and very very dedicated to doing this as well but i do want to start to begin that transition of being able to see if there is any uh you know for lack of better terms capitalistic opportunity to where i can help you guys get on cruises help some people you know find the perfect cruise walk you through the whole thing excursion i do have the experience any relevant caribbean island that's out there i've been to i've made relationships on the islands um uh, but again, we're going to leave that right there because going forward, I just wanted to give you guys that announcement that I'm going to start maybe throwing in some ads regarding cruising. The show itself will have nothing to do with that. I'm not going to sneak in little promos. And by the way, if you're interested in that, contact us. It's not, that's not how it's going down, guys. I promise you and I hopefully you guys know from listening uh, week in and week out that I I don't. I, that's not just not going to be I'm not going to compromise this show for that. There are shows out there I've heard, whether it's, you know, on, you know, certain TV shows and ser- people try to mix content with advertising all the time. And I'm telling you right now, you have my word that I am going to do my absolute best to not take part in any of that. OK, moving on from that, talking about content and who's out there. In the cruise industry, doing their thing. I've mentioned them before, uh, and I want to do it again. I want to give a big shout out to a, a good friend of the show. Uh, I want to thank them for always supporting, always be booked, and that is Cruise Tips TV. Talk about a streamlined, well produced show. You got Sherry. She's the on air personality. There is absolutely no way you can convince me that she's not a made for TV natural. She's also got her husband involved. Uh, he's the guy behind the scenes. He does a lot of the production, he does the filming. Also, kind of chimes in here and there. It's actually a perfect dynamic uh, from cruise topics A to Z all the way down to onboard cruise vlogs. Cruise Tips TV is an absolutely incredible resource for entertainment and information. And like I said, as streamlined as anything you'll see on TV, they have thousands of subscribers, they have millions of views, and it's absolutely no secret why. Truthfully, someone in the position of authority somewhere, I have no doubt, is going to be uh, contacting them then, and they're going to catch this operation. You'll be seeing a lot more of them somewhere. You know, no pressure, Sherry. and uh you know don't forget us little people out there when you make it big with that i mean that is a show i like to think that i have a decent little eye for these types of things and uh that is the type of show from all of its moving parts to just how clean and crisp it is and how it comes out and i dec- i recommend you guys definitely uh, get on youtube and check out cruise tips tv all right let's get into some cruise news let's start with royal caribbean they continue to be the footsteps Carnival Cruise Line hears when it goes to lie its head down at night. The newest milestone Royal Caribbean Cruise Line just achieved is that it just closed out a record-breaking Australia cruise season. Apparently, they tied New Zealand into that as well. And that makes sense, I guess. I very close uh, to uh Australia is New Zealand I was at that Chris Rock show the other day And they said uh, It was funny Judah Friedlander I don't know if you've heard of him from 30 Rock He was one of the opening acts And he was doing some crowd work And some guy was kind of loud going back and forth He was being kind of obnoxious And uh, Judah Friedlander asked him from the stage so uh where are you from buddy and the guy said new zealand and then judah snapped back at him oh well, you're screaming like a tough guy and you're from the canada of australia i got a kick out of that one no offense to anyone you know with just jokes just a little geographic humor there hopefully uh you know my buddy's in canada and uh a couple i think i got a couple in new zealand Interestingly enough, anyway, some of the stats they pumped uh, pumped out are that there is an estimated two hundred million dollars that went into the economy down there in the Australia-New Zealand region. Uh, they increased guest capacity by over seventeen percent. They brought two new ships to the region, including the Anthem of the Seas, which is a big deal because that is an Anthem-class ship, one of the top, you know, five or six in the entire Royal Caribbean fleet, and newest two. They talk about them being some of the most technologically uh, advanced ships at sea. They offered over 90 different itineraries, and they, this is big, guys, officially became the largest cruise line in Australia when you measure by capacity. And that makes sense, guys, because you know uh, the story that broke earlier uh, was it the earlier this year, yeah. Carnival Cruise Line had a cruise ship that was set to be slated to be a new build specifically for Australia. They changed that up. They re uh, commissioned that new build back to North America and they decided to switch things up, move things around and shuffle the Carnival Splendor, which will be turning into a PO cruise ship and putting that in Australia. And that really kind of put the Australian cruise market up in arms and you know carnival as I say I just feel like sometimes they do things that are penny wise pound foolish and you're gonna see right here it just says it right there uh, Royal Caribbean officially became the largest cruise line in Australia when you measure by capacity All right, moving on. So who makes what? Are you guys interested in what people's salaries are, what they make, Uh, especially, I don't know, celebrities? Uh, Cruise Line CEO salaries for 2016. I think that stuff is interesting. On long car rides... (laughs) <laughs> bus rides whatever wherever we're going if we have a group and we want to just pass the time i'm always the guy that says all right let's play the celebrity net worth game and uh whether it's four or five people we'll throw out a name just any interesting name that we know of anybody who has heard who, who's any any celebrity pretty much and everybody will have to guess what their net worth is and there's a website celebritynetworth.com, and we just kind of do that and for whatever reason that is fascinating to me. So let's get into. We have the big three: Royal Caribbean, Carnival, and Norwegian. We have their CEOs, and guess what? We have their salaries for 2016. I should say their earnings, what they made for 2016. So, Royal Caribbean CEO Richard D. Fain. He made a whopping. Any guesses? I'll give you guys a couple minutes, a couple seconds to guess. Royal Caribbean Cruise Line CEO, not just. The Royal Caribbean line. The entire uh, corporation. Richard D. Fane. What do you think? All right. I'll tell you. $10,405,000. That was, uh, you know, he's at the top of the heap with that. And then we got Carnival. Arnold W. Donald. What do you think he makes? Arnold W. Donald. You know, my grandfather told me never to trust a guy with two first names. But that's besides the point. All right. Suspense is over. $9,881,000. So still doing pretty good, but not quite at the level of uh, Mr. Fane from Royal Caribbean. And then we're going down to Norwegian, and that is our buddy Frank Del Rio, the guy who, if you remember a couple of episodes back, who makes up percentage numbers, and we don't know where they come from. This is the piker of the group. He makes a very, very disappointing 29 uh uh, two thousand nine hundred and seventeen million. But here's the kicker. In two thousand fifteen, he made over thirty one million dollars because twenty nine million of that entire uh, I guess earnings for 2015 was in stock and options. His deal must have changed because that number went down to less than $1 million in 2016. But this guy made $31 million in 2015 just because I guess he structured his compensation based on getting stock. And it seemed to seemed to work out for him uh, at least in 2015. Hopefully he saved some of that money either way. Probably not a guy who's rolling quarters to get a slice of pizza, but congratulations! So these guys are doing pretty good. You know they work hard. They're they're. This is what CEOs make, guys. This is, I mean, a salaried employee. Imagine being a salaried. You don't even own anything. You own nothing. You don't own a business, and you're making ten million dollars in salary per year. God bless you, man. Good for you. All right, let's keep moving. Norwegian is adding lifeguards to their fleet. They're starting on the larger ships. You got the epic getaway, breakaway, escape. I, I don't get. It makes me laugh. the The naming of those ships. The getaway. All right, we got to get away. The breakaway. Go, come on, let's break away. And then escape. It's like what the hell. Uh, What's the next ship in that success succession if you're pretty much uh, naming your ships based on sense of urgency on needing to go on vacation? The Norwegian get me the F away from out of here now? I don't know. Who knows? Either way, they're going to have lifeguards on all their ships by the end of the year. I don't like this, guys. I don't know how you feel about it. It was just a weird vibe. I experienced it on the Oasis of the Seas. Uh, it, they give them a floaty and they make them stand Right at the edge of the pool, no matter how big the pool is, there in the solarium they have this waiting pool that's no more than like four feet deep and it's no more than like twelve feet wide. And you have a guy decked out, sunglasses, uh, you know, his spandex for his lifeguard outfit and a floaty strapped to him and he's standing there ready for action outside the baby pool. Uh it's just it's just weird At least give him a chair It's almost like You feel like you're being watched You feel like you're uh, You know I guess you can kind of say Well if you're not doing anything wrong What do you care But it's just weird To have some guy Or girl Standing at the edge of the pool Just staring at everybody's every move Especially when The pool's not that crowded And you're kind of hanging out Trying to enjoy yourself It's almost like a, I don't know It's almost like a pool bouncer It's like a nightclub pool bouncer In the middle of the day On the Lido deck But what can you do all right, so guys, the topic of this show is the Panama Canal. What we want to do is give a just to outline what we're going to do is just to do quick a brief history and some general information on the Panama Canal. We'll also after that get into some ports on your itinerary and quick like quick little info on the main's one that might be main ones that might be on your itinerary and some of the stuff that it's known for. Then I want to do sort of like a Panama Canal highlights, so maybe, maybe some crown jewel excursions that you would experience along your Panama Canal crossing, and then... You know, Like I said, there's a lot of ports. I want to get into some specific excursions that might be available at each port, which, like I said, it might kind of roll over on each other a little bit, but I'll be brief when it comes to just kind of giving the gloss-over explanations. And then when we got to get into detail, I'll give you the details. And then after that, some final notes and tips. Uh, I had to do some research on this, guys, and I'm going to tell you something. I really, really enjoyed this, and I think this is going to be one of my favorite shows that we've ever done. I've never done a Panama Canal cruise, but I always wanted to. After researching, I now want to do it more than ever. I'm looking specifically right now. I probably haven't nailed down into like maybe, I don't know, three or four different sailings. And I'm looking at early 2018. I've only cruised to the Caribbean and Canada at this point, And what you want to do is... You know, as you get more and more into this stuff, your crew's goals expand. I can hear a lot of you veterans out there saying, I'm listening to this guy and he's only... It's it's by choice, guys. Alaska, I got to admit, at this point, it's just, it's just that I'm not really that interested in going. Yes, I get it. I do, you know, see video of the picturesque, the glaciers, and all the things that you can do as far as experiencing the culture, and it probably is like going on an adventure, like going on an expedition. But... I also feel like I become more open to it as the years go by, but still today at this time, if I have a week off and I'm going to spend two or three grand in cash, uh, at this point yet I'm just not ready to be cold when I go when I go to do it. I need the beaches, I need the palm trees, I need the tropical islands. Uh, Those are still part of the requirements right now. Again. You could judge that. You could not judge that, guys. I don't. Care. I don't care. It just is what it is. I'll probably eventually end up out there. I'm just having too much fun in the Caribbean right now. I'm. Um, I haven't even done a land-based vacation in a bunch of years. I've done quick little getaways, but as far as really getting away, I can't bring myself away from getting on a beautiful pleasure craft and sailing down to the Caribbean and experiencing all that has to offer with that. Uh, but. A good way to realize all of, you know, if you want to get into some culture and if you want to do something different and you want to get an educational experience, a good way to do that and still kind of doing all the things that I'm requiring as far as my cruises go is to do a Panama Canal cruise. I do not want to and will not make this a history lesson, but I do want to just for the fact of just getting, you know, us and me and myself and like I got, you know, again, we're going nerd alert here. Just getting excited about where you're going and knowing, you know, the precious area, the precious, precious geography and the precious part of the world that you're going to realize the importance of where what you're experiencing on this vacation. I did want to bring to the table a couple facts, figures, historical kind of like, you know. Caveats to the show before we get into actual, the actual specific, specificities of the cruising part of it. So what is the Panama Canal? It's basically a 48-acre man-made waterway. It connects the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans. What it, What it was designed to do and obviously did do was make it easier for countries to conduct international maritime trade. France – It was, you know, France actually attempted to start to make this happen way, way, way back in 1881. They stopped. They failed, to be honest with you. It was mechanical problems. uh, The fact that so many workers were losing their lives. They tried to do this for a total of 20 years and actually lost 20,000 lives. They gave up and it was just kind of dormant. The project was sitting there for a while. The USA never stopped being excited about this. And in 1904, they took over the project and were able to make it happen. Uh... It was open for transit in 1914. The final cost ended up being $352 million. Can you imagine how much money that was? I don't have the calculator in my head. I can't do the translation, but uh, $352 million in 1914 is a shit ton of money. Let's just leave it at that. There were different stages to who actually controlled it, but... To make a long story short, Panama now has full authority over the Panama Canal by way of the aptly named Panama Canal Authority. Uh, I just saw a movie recently called Hands of Stone, and it was meant to chronicle the career and life of Roberto Duran. If you guys are old enough to know who that is, I mean, just a beast of a boxer that's when boxing was boxing guys remember that i mean boxing is pretty much done now we'll see you know i'm sure that story isn't done being written yet but boxing has been in pretty much a i don't know 12 year hiatus as far as relevance compared to at least what it used to be boxing the sweet science used to just be you know especially back in the day when they had this four-way rivalry and that to me was one of the golden ages of boxing when it was sugar ray leonard Uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, and the pride of Panama, Roberto Durant. And so this movie kind of gives you uh, a synopsis of his life, but the backdrop is... How he grew up in Panama and who plays a big role in that is the government and, you know, who had control of the Panama Canal. And you could see that. And I I always find that stuff interesting. Uh, Recognized as one of the seven scientific wonders of the world, the first year traffic in uh, 1914 was just 1,000 ships for the whole entire year. And then all the way up to 2008, it was 14,702 ships. They did an expansion on it. And probably now it's probably even more. I should have gone and checked that, but I will. I'll check and I'll kind of let you guys know in the next episode if you guys are kind of clinging to your uh, laptops and on the edge of your seats trying to find out how many exact ships went through the Panama Canal in 2016. I will get that information for you. So, moving on a full transit from one end of the canal to the other. ...takes roughly about six to eight hours total. Now, that's going to have a few different variables that will affect that. Well, how big the ship is, how fast it's going, what the seas are like, what type of traffic is in the way. But in order for a ship to even get the authority... To be able to do a Panama Canal crossing, it must pass a series of specifications that would certify it as what they call Panamax. For cruise ships, the main pretty much requirement and concern is that the damn thing can fit. So, size is what matters most on that one. But... There are other factors too. You're going to have to look at propulsion. You're going to have to look at their communication capabilities and just general design. So is it is it built in in the way that it can fit? Is the hull too deep? Like I don't think the Queen Mary Whatever I mean I don't think certain – maybe not the Queen Mary. I'm making that up. But certain ships with – too deep of a hull are not going to be able to get through the Panama Canal because they'd run aground. So all those things, the design plays a factor too. Um, excavating the canal to the level that it would take to be able to have the large ships not run aground would be very, very difficult. So what they did was they came up with a system to install locks. Uh, they put them throughout the canal so ships could be lifted via water uh, so to the necessary elevations that would rise them to the artificial lake that they created to be able to bring the water to a level above sea level so they'd be able to get through. Watching this process, honestly, is going to be one of the highlights of my trip, no question about that. All right, let's get into some information regarding the Panama Canal, but as it pertains specifically to cruising. When the cruise ships first started doing the crossing, it was always pretty much a full transit, and that's going to take at least 14 days, pretty much. This made it mostly just your retirees, you had your wealthy people, people who had that type of disposable time and disposable income. What they've done fairly recently is introduced the partial crossing, and that brought a lot more flexibility to the table. What you can do now is partial transits that, you know, give you a little bit of a taste of the Panama Canal on itineraries as short as seven to nine days. Uh, Another option you could do if you want to hit the Panama Canal is a world cruise or an extended journey. And a lot of those run right through and you can get some of those for at least, you know, anywhere from 30 days to 120 days. At the end of the day, most major cruise lines nowadays have at least some sort of option for the Panama Canal. Uh, There's been a lot of less stringent modifications to what is required of panamax but there are few that still actually specialize in it and have been doing it for years like your princess your holland america uh your cunard another thing you want to keep in mind when you're choosing these uh, cruise lines as an option is that they tend to be more educational as cruise lines as a whole uh less hairy chess competitions uh less belly flop competitions, you're going to get more lectures. And if you're kind of wanting to nerd out, and let's face it, if you're on a Panama Canal crossing uh, or a partial crossing, if that's even on your radar, you're probably considering a cruise line that is going to bring a little bit more of an educational approach to the table. Ports can include uh, those that are among the Southern Caribbean itineraries. You're going to get your Western Caribbean itineraries and a lot of your Mexico stuff too, as well as uh, you know home ports are pretty much always Southern California and South Florida, and that's just like I said the nine to seven to fourteen day sailings. Who knows? A world cruise can leave from anywhere, but that's just as it pertains to standard cruises. Uh, ports on many partial or full Panama crossings include. Now, I'll go through these one by one, but what I want to do is keep in mind a couple of things. First and foremost, I am going to absolutely annihilate uh, pronunciations on a lot of them. And uh, we're going to go through the main ones at first. And I don't want to get into too much detail on them because these are pretty much run-of-the-mill. I'm going to say run-of-the-mill, but they're pretty much your everyday cruise ports that you'll see on regular itineraries. And I'm talking about the standards, like Grand Cayman, pretty much people know Grand Cayman, Stingray City, all that stuff. Both major ports in Jamaica, Ocho Rios and Falmouth with the... um, Dun River Falls and the Mystic Mountain and all that stuff. You have the ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, Curaçao. You guys know some of those are some of the most popular destinations in the Caribbean. And you could find yourself on a Panama Canal cruise, having those ports integrated into the itinerary as well. Uh, you want to go up the other side. We're talking about Puerto Vallarta and uh, Cabo San Lucas in Mexico, two of uh, the most popular cruise ports in all of you know West Coast cruising. And then we'll move on from there. And those I wanted to kind of separate it first because, like I said, I didn't want to get into them because they're very, very familiar to North American cruisers. But I did want to touch on some of the more exotic destinations, maybe some of the less traveled destinations that you might be hitting up when you're on a Panama Canal cruise. These are destinations that you won't necessarily see on your typical East, West, Southern Caribbean, uh, Mexico cruise itineraries. And I wanted to touch on some of them. So, Really cool places some of these are. In South America, you'd actually be changing continents for this one, which is something I definitely want to do. Uh, To go to Cartagena, and that is in uh, Colombia. You'd visit the old town. uh, You'd see the churches. you got the cobblestone alleys there. You could check out the Fuerta de San Fernando fort. Uh, You could hike up to Lake Papa, and that is the highest point in the city. Also, you have the ports that are actually on the canal route, or at least you know right next to it along the uh along the canal and that are actually in Panama. You have Cologne and that is on the Caribbean coast. It's the main hub to see the Gatin locks. It's the main port that you're going to hit up if you're going to Panama, especially if you're coming from the, um, you know, from the Caribbean. You also have Fuerte de Amador, and that is the port that's a little bit more towards the west coast. And that's the one you're going to get. It's going to give you access to Panama City. That's where all the action is in terms of the locks over there. Uh, You will see the Maya Flores locks. There's a canal museum over there. Tons of access and tours to Panama City. We'll talk more about that in a few as well. In Costa Rica, you have uh, Punta Arenas, and that's the largest city on the Pacific coast. Uh, Historic Marine Museum is over there. You have uh, La Casa de Cultura, which is an art gallery that is very, very popular in that area of Costa Rica. Um, and then also you have Limón, and that is the largest city on the east coast. And what they say about that is that there's a lot of adventure over there. You can do a lot of activities, rainforest, zip lining, scuba diving. They have coral reefs. Ridiculous views. Uh, they say that you may want to uh, be a little, I guess, aware of your surroundings when you're walking around the city because they say there's a little bit, it can be a little dicey. It, you're probably fine again, but just be aware of your surroundings. And I'm just saying that as a, uh, you know, word to the wise. It's not anything where it's like, holy crap, people getting mugged in the street left and right. But They say there is a little bit of an elevated level of crime in that area. So just be – don't let it deter you from going. Don't let it deter you from enjoying yourself. Just be aware of your surroundings. That's actually the area where they shot Jurassic Park. And it is another one of our buddy Christopher Columbus's supposed destinations. I'm sure it's actually true. I just find it funny that this guy with basically three broken-down ships and a couple of buddies – in the freaking 14, 1500s, can have covered so much ground all over the all over the Caribbean. Where if you go to any of these ports, they're all they all have the area where this is where Christopher, Christopher Columbus made his first accidental, uh, you know, landing by shore. He came here first, and this is the fourth one. So this was his fourth journey. They say he got there in 1502. I'm sure it's true, but I just think it's a little bit of funny. It's like those stories when people tell you. Oh, yeah, I was there when uh, uh, Reggie Jackson hit those three home runs. I was there when Hank Aaron hit that uh, home run that put him past Babe Ruth. If as many people were there that say they were there, the stadium would be filled six times over. I mean, how many people could actually fit in the stadium? But again, who knows? It's 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 probably true. But I'm saying there has to be some sort of revisionist history at some point when you talk about how many places across the oceans could have Columbus gone back then. I'm sure it's a remarkable amount, but is it? Is it quite as many as they say it is? All right, moving on. In Nicaragua, you have San Juan del Sur. In El Salvador, you have uh, Acajulta, I guess. Acajulta, 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 to your guess, is as good as mine. Somebody's probably squirming right now who actually has any clue of what I'm talking about. Any El Salvadorians probably are squirming right now listening to me trying to pronounce these things. Um, Moving on. In Guatemala, you got uh, Puerto uh, Quetzal, uh, which is a Gorgeous volcanic landscape. It's got an old town feel to its city. It is the largest Pacific port in Guatemala. You can visit the uh, Pacaya Volcano. And you could also go to uh, Kuala, Kuala. Al, and they have the hot springs there for some natural relaxation. Let me try that again. Kuala, 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 Kuala. Guys, I'm really, really sorry. This is tough. Uh, but either way, it's in... <laughs> It's in Guatemala and it has the hot springs and, again, probably will literally add five years to your life, I mean, hanging out down there. If you want to take the trip to the city of Antigua, which is a very, very booming major metropolis for that area, it will take about 90 minutes and a lot of people, you know, say that it's worth it. Then if we're going to go back up the left coast of Mexico, you have uh, uh, Puerto Chiapas. Chiapas. Puerto Chiapas. Puerto Chaypes could be any of those. If any of those are starting to sound familiar, guys, this is a place that uh, doesn't look like much when you get off the ship, but you can see Mayan ruins. You can also take a trip to the city of Tuxtla. 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 I'm really, really sorry. Uh, you can watch women turn cacao into chocolate. Why can't you watch men turn cacao into chocolate? Come on, man. Let's let us watch. You know. Well, why can't? Why can't we? turn uh, cacao into chocolate as men. I think we got a complaint there. I'm kidding around. Everybody calm down. All right. Also, you have uh, Huatulco, you have uh, Manzanillo, and you have La Paz coming up the coast of Mexico. Now, what I wanted to do also was speak, and this is because it gets a little bit repetitive, but first I wanted to at least let you know the ports. The second thing I wanted to do was let you know highlights along the Panama Canal. And the third thing I wanted to do was give you some ideas of specific excursions that you can take part in while you're on a Panama Canal cruise and unfortunately, because of that, there is going to be some overlap in terms of describing some of these places, which I will try to be very quick on. But I want to give you guys, I want to, I want to risk, at the risk of that, I want to give you guys the most information you can. So feel free to check back, go back and listen to those destinations, listen to those ports, and uh, you know, get a feel for when you're doing your research and checking for which cruise particularly you may want to go on in the Panama Canal. Whatever of this that stuff and the following stuff that I'm about to say sounds enticing, you can uh, kind of jump on. Jump on. All right. So these are the highlights along the Panama Canal. Some of the crown jewel, whether they're excursions, whether they're you know sightseeing stuff, whatever. while you're on the ship. This is some of the stuff that people say are really, really can't miss experiences along the Panama Canal. So. The most obvious one is to visit the locks. Each entryway has a visitor center. So you have the uh, Myra Flores locks, and that's two stages of locks. It's on the Pacific side. Now, this one gets the most visitors pretty much because of its proximity to Panama City. It is an excursion for new port in the capital city of Panama. The center is very, very well developed. It's got a beautiful museum. It's also got a very well, well shaded viewing platform so you can get a really good look at the ships that are passing through. Um, and then you can watch them as they're being elevated. The problem with the Myra Flores Visitor Center is that it's very, very crowded. You may have to work those elbows a little bit to jockey into position to really get a good view or get a good picture. If you're tall, you're going to have to throw those arms up in the air and put that camera up to get over to people to make sure you get a good shot of the canal, shot of the cruise ships going by. When you purchase a ticket to the Visitor Center, you're going to get access to the museum, you're going to be able to watch a short video on the history and the construction, and you're going to get access to that aforementioned platform, and, of course, an invitation to spend more money at their conveniently located gift shop. Well, what are you going to do? We can knock the hustle, let them make their money, but, you know, I mean, it probably kills at that gift shop, right? Um Gift shops are funny to me. All the gift shops and where they locate them, they got to make money, man. I guess I guess you have to, but these people, just these scientific studies that have gone into where things should be placed and merchandising and stuff like that. Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville comes into, uh, you know, you can't get into a Margaritaville without going by the gift shop. And you know what? Why not? That's the way it should be. The one that threw me off a little bit, a little bit of a jump in the shark as far as gift shops go, though, uh, you guys know I'm from New York City and I worked – in, uh, you know, Rockefeller Center for a while and right in Rockefeller Center on Fifth Avenue and 51st Street at the St. Patrick's Cathedral. And that was steps away from where I worked for close to five years. And every once in a while, you, you step in there, you walk in there because when I tell you there's certain places on this planet that you can just step into. I mean, you're in the hustle and bustle of New York City. There's cabs beeping at you. There's people trying to run you over in the streets, walking around you. People cursing at each other. Uh, homeless people screaming. Crazy people screaming. Taxi horns. And then all of a sudden, you, with one step, you step into St. Patrick's Cathedral on 5th and 51st you're taken to another world, you feel like you are in uh, just a holy place, it's, you can hear a pin drop, the impressiveness of the ceiling, the decor, the uh, stained glass windows, and just the sheer size of it, and just the, the, the candles, and the, and the, the mindset of what everybody is walking around, it's one of the few places where people still just naturally show respect because of where they are, and, uh, you're just taking in and you're kind of awe and you just sit down and you're just very, 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 very peaceful. If you ever want to contemplate, if you're ever going through anything, if you ever, you know, whatever, you just go sit down in there and kind of regain your bearings. You know, it can be a religious experience for you if you're Catholic or a Christian, or if it, it, or it cannot be too. If you want to just sit there and just go to a place that's just constructed and kind of seemed to be themed after just a different place in a different time, St. Patrick's Cathedral is that place. But guess what? The minute you walk out, welcome to the St. Patrick's (laughs) Cathedral gift shop. (laughs) If they could have a gift shop in St. Patrick's Cathedral, you know what? Let's put it anywhere. Um, Also, all right, digressing. Going back to the Miraflores locks, they say stay away from uh, the area between 10 and 2 p.m. typically because of the crowds but also because there's a very, very limited number of ships that are shooting through there. Uh, So, Just, I guess, take that advice if you want it. All right, so the other locks uh, on the other side, we're talking the Atlantic side. So that was the Pacific side. We're talking about the Mediterranean or Atlantic side now. You will have uh, the, the Gatton locks. G-A-T-U-N, Gatun Locks. You will have great access when you call it Cologne. So when you go to Cologne and you get off at of Cologne, you have perfect access to Gatun Locks. There's way less visitors, but if you're looking to see some more action, this is the place to go. There are three separate locks that raise and lower the ships. And at the end of the day, when, they're, when the full raising and lowering is completed... It's a total of an 85 feet difference. The viewing platform, they say, is so close to the canal, you can feel like you can reach out and touch the ships. You probably can touch the ships is that advisable probably not the guides that are there kind of giving you the information they're in person they're very accessible and that's kind of opposed to the mara flores where they do communicate you they do to you they do give you information but a lot of it's uh via a pa system if your ship does not port in cologne and it does port uh on the panama city side which is uh a, a little probably you know a little while away you can come here you can come here from panama city uh, but it will take you over an hour to get there by car local taxi or tour whatever it is but again depending upon how much time you have and panama city is not necessarily something that you're uh, really really fond of or looking forward to seeing you can make that trip back from the west side of the panama canal I would drive back over to Cologne because, like I said, the Gatun locks are probably a little bit more appealing and a little bit more enjoyable than the Myra Flores locks from what people are saying. There's also another set of locks uh, a little bit closer to the Pacific side called the Pedro Miguel Locks. That's not necessarily a tourist destination; more functional than anything else. And then they also recently added the Agua Clara Locks, and that's on the Caribbean side, pretty much just adjacent to the Gatun Locks. But they're also they're part of a uh, recent third lane expansion to the canal, and that's going back to what we were talking about before regarding the fact that you know a lot more ships are able to make their way through the Panama Canal and there is a lot more sailings going through the Panama Canal because of that expansion. All right, moving on, another crown jewel excursion or sightseeing thing that you might wanna take part in along the Panama Canal, is the Casco Viejo in Panama City. It's a built-up and tourist-friendly area, but it still has a local feel. It's way more authentic of a village within the city that seems to be happy to thrive on the economics of the tourist industry, but not necessarily wanting or even willing to completely conform to it like many of the Caribbean ports that we've become used to. So you're going to get a good vibe. You're going to get a good um, authentic I guess, locals-type feel to this city, but at the same time, they're very welcoming and very... uh, They realize that they make a lot of money off these tours. I used to feel guilty when I go into a lot of these cruise ports because I used to be, like, picturing myself as being a native. And then, you know, let's just say San Juan, for example. You're in San Juan, a cruise ship lets out, and just a slew of just, yeah, call it what you want, you know, just... Americans who are just there literally looking to kind of like fishbowl you, looking to be entertained, what do you got for me, where can I go, what can it, do? and you kind of feel a little guilty, like these are these people's homes and we're kind of just invading it for our own pleasure, at the same time. It is what it is. We go on vacation. We're on vacation. It's a very mutually beneficial relationship. And they don't have that resentment that I thought maybe they did. Maybe they do underlying. But the reality is they realize how much of an economic boost we as tourists bring them. And they're not under the same – kind. the the level of guilt that I was feeling is not as necessary uh, because, you know what, they could say, you know what, screw these tourists. Get these people off of our land. We don't want them here. But – those people that are coming to visit, as long as they do it in a respectful way and in a way that I like to do it, as far as being respectful of the culture and being curious about the culture and wanting to know, you know, more about the way of life for the for the people in the area, I mean, they are they they are very receptive. So, I mean, that's what ha- that's and it's no different in uh, Casco Viejo in Panama City. Just walking around the neighborhood is nice. You could look at all the original but restored architecture. So they have a lot of places that they refurbished i mean original structure but refurbished they have like i said the churches tons of people watching shopping they have a canal museum there you can learn about the construction of the canal but also the politics surrounding its building and um, all of its existence it got pretty heated over who was who, who it belonged to who controlled it um, like we know now it's in the hands of the panamanians but for a long time it was pretty tense it was going back and forth it had some different i guess you know things that were proposed as far as okay you will own it but we'll control it we'll control it uh you know okay you can control it but we reserve the right to defend it a lot of that stuff happened on the jimmy carter and again there's a lot of resources out there. If you are interested in finding out more, I mentioned the Hands of Stone movie with about Roberto Duran that touches on it a little bit. Won't give you an in-depth history, but will give you an idea of a little bit of the politics that came along with the K- Panama Canal. Uh, you could check out Cathedral Square. You could see the church and the theater, all of which have gorgeous artwork all over the place. And a few steps up from the cathedral, you get a view- beautiful, beautiful view of the seawall and pretty much what is the coast. All right, moving on in Panama City. Also, you have Ancon Hill. This is the highest point in Panama City. Gives you some great views of the entrance to the canal from the Pacific side. At the base of the mountain, you could also explore Balboa. Not that there's a lot going on there or anything really to do. But again, nerd alert, if you want to see in person, The village where the actual Americans lived, who actually constructed the canal, here's where it is. Again, it's going to be a look around. Wow, let me feel it. If you feel something, great. You know what? This is where everybody lived. This is where everybody retired to. This was their escape from their long days of work. Um, Again, not much to it, but history junkies, uh, it may be of interest to you. It would be to me. Uh, There's also the Panama Canal Administration Building, which displays gorgeous artwork and murals depicting the construction of the canal as well. Another thing that's really, really cool that I absolutely would want to see is called the Panama Canal Railway. It's almost, I mean, it's pr- the construction of the railway, is not, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it's almost as a uh, structural wonder as the canal itself. Uh, it runs almost the length of the canal. And it goes over 300 bridges that were all put in by us uh, through the rough jungle and terrain of Panama. You get great views of the canal, the Gatun Lake. And the Gatun Lake is, like I said, you have the Gatun Locks and you have the Gatun Lake, which is that man-made lake that the ships are lifted to so that they can cross. Uh, it goes from pretty much coast to coast from uh, Panama. It costs $25 to ride. And that's the same exact price as what many miners – it was a big kind of mining hub. People would go from South America up to the west coast of North America who were trying to prospect for gold. Uh, But the miners used to get charged that same exact price, but the price back then was not in cash. It was in gold. You'd pay it in gold. All right, so what's next on the uh, Panama Canal route? Uh, something also I definitely want to check out is the Amador Causeway. This is a two-mile walkway that stretches from the mainland of Panama all the way out to what's called Flamenco Island. It covers four total islands along the way. You're going to see, I mean, ridiculous views of both downtown Panama City, the modern industrial, uh, the modern industrialized metropolis, uh, but. You're also going to see the incoming ships, the water, and everything else along the way. There's a very easy to spot bio museum that displays and teaches about Panama, its geology, the plant life, the ecosystems, and all that stuff uh, along the, right along the causeway. Uh, when you get to Flamenco, you can see the ships that are coming in through some of the you know some of them are docking, and then they send their tender ships. So if you are going to uh, port in, uh, in in Panama City, again, I'm sorry, what is the actual port? So it's not. Panama City, uh, is not the port you get access to Panama City and the port is Puerto Amador. So if you do end up there, it is a, uh, tender port and you will have to, you know, take that into consideration if you have any handicapped people, small children, uh, it's important, just important to remember, um. What else do you get to? Uh, so, that when you get to Flamenco Island, you can see the ships that are coming in, but then you also can enjoy a bunch of bars, restaurants in that area. It's probably honestly one of those one in a million places that you can kind of stand outside. And just like Kenny Chesney says, and that what's that one song he says, that one line I love uh, also um, is it beer in Mexico? Sun comes up, sun goes down. And I seen them both in this tourist town. Yeah, that's it. So you could probably see the sun come up and the sun go down. You're just just in an oasis, just pure natural beauty, and a couple of bars and restaurants to keep the fun going. Ain't gonna hurt. It's a very very popular place among the locals to go for a walk. So you know it's almost like that walk out. And I noticed the walk out to In San Juan, uh, the the walk out to. Is it Crystal Ball? I always confuse the two forts. Is it Crystal Ball? The one you see when you're sailing in, but the one you also has that big lawn area. Tons and tons and tons of tourists are walking that strip. But then you also see the locals too. You know, whether they're getting married, whether they're flying kites, whether they're kicking a soccer ball around, whatever they're doing, it's a good mix. And this sounds like probably it's the same type of situation. You get tourists, you get locals alike walking that two mile stretch all the way out to uh uh flamenco island i mean the amador causeway seems like something that i definitely want to try at least get a look at whatever um all right moving on we got forte san lorenzo this is a fortress along the atlantic side it was originally built to protect panama and its vital waterways from some of the many pirates of the time the bad news is that it didn't really work out too well uh, the fort and those defending uh, the fort were no match for Captain Henry Morgan. Leave it to uh, the King of the Spiced Rum, Captain Henry Morgan. Uh, left the area in ruins. Unfortunately, everyone who lived there was pretty much chased back to uh, uh, Casco Viejo, Casco Viejo, Viejo, right? The one with uh, you know that was the one that was in Panama City, the old town. Look at that, Casco Viejo. Yes, and the. Uh, Pirates pretty much pillaged the land and took what they wanted, took all the riches, and you basically just had a bunch of refugees heading back across to Panama City. Unfortunately, all right, moving on. This is where it gets a little interesting, and if you're looking for culture, this is uh, you, you you got it here. Uh, you can actually visit an Embera village, and I'm hoping I pronounced that right too. Embera, em- Embera village. And these are the indigenous people, a.k.a. Indians, if you're allowed to say that anymore, that did live in that area. And uh, there's still, you know, some reserved land left for them. Uh, you do need to be prepared for a quite a drive, at least an hour drive, a possible one or two hour canoe ride as well. And uh, you go to Chagres National Park where you will learn about the tribal customs. And... Uh, You'll share their food, you'll get a temporary tribal tattoo there with that it was from ink that comes from their local fruit. Now we're talking about going to an Indian village in Cologne, Panama, that takes about an hour by uh, car, and then another hour or two by canoe. Let's just say you want to keep your watch close to you. This is not like getting uh, left in, uh, you know, Grand Turk, Margaritaville. You, you may, you, you may if you're going to do this particular excursion, you want to make sure you, I would maybe book this through the cruise ship, this one in particular. You do not want to run the risk of getting left in a tribal village in the middle of Cologne, Panama. I'm sure the, um, you know, I'm sure the Amembras are very, very nice people. But uh, you know we don't want to pull any dances with wolves things here. Uh, also, you have the Gatton Lake, and that is the lake that was man-made by the Americans uh, to uh, provide an area where that. Where it was a lake that would be above sea level, so that the ships did have enough depth to be able to cross, as we mentioned before. Uh, and there are plenty of options to sightsee. You could fish, you could swim, um, you know, you could take tours on water with all in and throughout this lake Uh, so i definitely recommend checking out the Gatun lake as well that is kind of like the main body of water throughout the panama canal that allows the panama canal to exist so real cool cool uh facts and, and um you know caveats of information that you can get from the tour guides while going through there all right so those are pretty much the highlights as far as uh you know specific sightseeing entities that you may want to check out while you're on a Panama Canal cruise. Now what I wanted to get into and here's where I get it, I'm going to jump over things a couple of times here but these are a little bit of an idea of what specific excursions you can take. Along a Panama Canal itinerary, so let's start with Cologne. so uh, Cologne is like I said, a port on the Caribbean coast of Panama. The city lies near the entrance to the Panama Canal, lots of bundles and stuff like that. so there's tons of excursions that you can do, and a lot of them are packaged with each other, and most of them do include the uh, the uh, the locks the tour the tour of the locks. so you have the rainforest experience. And the locks, you could check out an eco tour of the rainforest, the Gatun Lake, and pretty much endless amounts of plant life, bird life, animal life. Um, you could also tour the rainforest via air tram. You can get the lock experience bundled in with that as well. Like we said before, the Embera Indians uh, and the locks as well. Uh, you can check out the Portobello ruins, which is the ancient Mayan ruins. Uh, there's also an animal rescue zoo. And a local beach where lunch and refreshments are served. Uh, you could do that same same run. The Portobello. You could do just the zoo and the beach combo. Again, check the itinerary guide. Check on your own. Sureexcursions.com, or you know, just search things to do in in in, uh, in Colon, Panama, and you can find a wealth of information. But that's just some of the stuff and some of the highlights of things that you can do if you are in that um, in that Caribbean coastal city of Cologne, Panama. By the way, another one, Limon and Cologne. Uh, I don't know if it's not a coincidence that they rhyme, but I was also told that that is a city. If you're walking around, uh, you may want to use the buddy system there. You may want to stick with guided excursions as well there, or at the very, very least, keep your head on a swivel and make sure that you're aware of your surroundings because unfortunately, in, in like in most major metropolises, there can be an element of you know petty theft or, or, or small crimes that go on here and there. Alright, moving on to Limón. That is the largest city on the east coast of Costa Rica, as we learned already. Uh, you have a general highlights tour, a rainforest tour, you have a river cruise, a banana plantation, and shopping excursion. You have zip lining and a river cruise combo. You have downtown shopping. They'll give you nature walks. There's also an aerial tram there as well in Limon. Uh, and again, like we're talking Costa Rica too. And there are, like in most of them, combinations of all of the above. So do your research. But again, those things are kind of much, pretty much the highlights of a Limon excursion along the Panama Canal. Uh, Moving on to Punta Arenas, uh, that is the main commercial and cruise port on the Pacific side of Costa Rica. What they have here is something really, really cool. I mean, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you can't be for the faint of heart. But some people, I don't know. I'm a little, it's, it's weird. I'm a little leery on some rides. I'll just jump right on. And some of them, ah, I don't like, I don't know. I'm not so upset with the heights, I don't like upside down, I'll tell you that, I don't like upside down, and I also don't usually like free falls, I'm not so worried about heights as much, so I'd probably do this one, even though with my weight I'd be a little bit worried, but they have a skywalk treetop bridge, so going from one mountain all the way across, because what looks like to be at least, you know, almost 100 yards, uh, a skywalk treetop bridge, and you're pretty much walking across this man-made rope of a bridge maybe the length of a football field or even more and you're atop all the trees so you're looking down you don't want to fall off this this skywalk bridge they also have zip lines they have the standard rainforest tours uh can i stop saying rainforest tours because based on a location any of these excursions are probably going to have uh, rainforest tours swim with the crocodiles and no i'm just kidding on that but um you can also, in uh, Punta Arenas, you could do horseback riding. They have a very, very popular butterfly farm that you may want to check out. And uh, that's pretty much it for Punta Arenas. There's other stuff to do there. There's definitely stuff to do. You can go on your own. But again, you know, just giving you some ideas of the most popular specific excursions in a lot of these ports. Um, you also have uh, Puerto Quetzal, which is a small city on the Pacific side of Guatemala. There you can get a... Guided tour of the city. There, This is where they have the volcano and the Hot Springs excursion, which I definitely want to check out if I'm in that area. That's going to be really, really cool. Uh, shopping and eating combo tours. Uh, coffee, cupping, and tasting. Do you guys know how to, uh, what coffee cupping is? Cupping as a verb? I don't know. I don't I can't even really picture that. I saw this excursion. I looked into it, but it's mostly just they don't really go into what cupping is. You probably know. You're probably like, he's a moron. It's simply... Whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but coffee cupping and tasting. Uh, And then you can make your way out to Antigua and do some zip lining there if you have the time for that. And this is where they have the chocolate making. So you can take part in uh, making chocolate as well. Apparently they do let the guys do it too. So that's good news. All right, moving on. Uh, Cartagena, which is, we talked about, that port city of Colombia. Actually, as we said, switching continents for this one. One thing you could do here, I mean, I guess you want to try it and do it just for the story, but they have a volcano mud bath. You can actually slide down the side of a uh, volcano in mud. Cover yourself in mud, which they say has natural healing powers and you could put that to the test if you want. Another really really cool thing Car Cartagena is loaded. Uh another cool thing that at least as far as for my taste I would love to do this. They have a fishing tour. It's an excursion where you can go out on a boat and you could fish. And whatever you catch, you bring back and they will give you a cooking class on how to best get used to uh, – best use that fish as far as cooking. They'll teach you how to fillet it, how to season it properly, how to cook it, whether it's frying or baking, whatever it is. But they give you a – you know, you you go out there, you catch the fish with the tour guide and you come back and you cook the actual fish that you catch. That's something I definitely like to do in Cartagena. Uh, you could do scuba diving. They have historical tours of the city. And that's uh, – with Cartagena, it's extra cool because when you – touring Cartagena, you're touring something, the, uh, a civilization that dates back to 4000 BC. I would absolutely love to do that, check that out, and be a part of uh, you know any of those tours that they were offering. Moving on, we mentioned before San Juan del Sur. We did not get into any detail on that, but it is the uh, port city of Nicaragua, Nicaragua on the Pacific coast uh so you have the city of granada tons of volcanoes there too a vibrant central market there is a pre-columbian art museum uh and then you could also visit the beach town of rivas and what's something that's really cool and i think this is probably the coolest thing that is offered in san juan del Sur. it is the messiah uh, messiah market Uh, they sell spices foods products of goods of all kind and here You get to witness an active marketplace and instead of just walking up like a lot of places where how much, two dollars, boom, you get to kinda see an interaction between the locals as they haggle with each other over what goods cost and you know, as opposed to just, you know, pulling out money, these guys can these guys and girls uh at the Messiah Market are trading and you know, it's gonna probably be interesting to see what you know how they come up with those negotiations and what is worth what and it probably gets tense at some point there's probably some arguments and it's probably a really really cool local thing to to witness and be a part of when you're there all right moving on uh fuerte amador we talked about this this is in panama it's the access to panama city that you get there's a lot to do here not a lot of ships call here and a lot of them i think a lot more call in cologne in panama than fuerte amador but i don't know man there seems to be a lot that goes on here uh the port that is closer to the pacific side as we already know you can make your way to the cologne as we said before if you want to skip the whole panama city thing Uh, keep in mind this is a tender port and uh, we talked about before as far as one of the crown jewels, Castle Viejo. You can check that out. The Amador Causeway, Ancon Hill. Most of the stuff we, we covered, uh a lot of the cooler stuff you can do along a Panama Canal cruise is located in Fuerte Amador, which is interesting as to why it, it's it's they don't they don't kinda I guess make it a little bit more easy to get to. Uh Those of you who have cruised the Panama Canal, please email me directly. It's tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. I would love to hear your experience, what I missed, how bad I butchered the pronunciations, all that stuff. Again, you guys know I said at the top of the show I have not sailed the Panama Canal yet. And what you do on a cruise like this, when you're going to go on a cruise like this, yes, you research it. And you start getting invigorated and excited about the research you're going to do. But it still, at the end of the day, is coming from a point of view of someone who hasn't done it yet, and I'm going to do it, and I'm just really, really excited to be able to use these notes, look a little further, get some of the stuff that you guys send back to me regarding the Panama Canal, and apply that to my actual visit, and then be able to come back and tell you the real thing. You know what? I was right on when it came to, you know, that causeway. I absolutely, it was every bit as beautiful as I said it would be, or you know what, you know... Going by Casa Viejo it wasn't all it was cracked up to be, what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent, What are the, and then some of the stuff that I discovered that I didn't even know, that I didn't even find through my research, um, and that's pretty much it. So I wanted to also talk about some of the cruises, cruise ships that actually go there, and we're not big shots over here. If you uh, are able to sail for more than $3,500 a person, feel free, check it out. Uh, go do your own research, but what I did was make a list of all the cruise ships and cruise lines that you can get to the Panama Canal itinerary for for under thirty five hundred dollars a person and I went high that 's a little high i don't i'm not booking a cruise for me that's you know just for one person thirty five hundred i 'm just not doing that uh all right so let 's get into it Princess cruises you have the coral princess that goes there, the island princess and the Caribbean princess. Disney also has a ship that goes there. It's the Disney Wonder. You have Holland America, uh, the Amsterdam, the Oosterdam, and the Westerdam. Uh, They also go there. And you have the Norwegian Star. You you have the, uh, the Jade and the Sun and the Pearl as well from Norwegian. And for Carnival, you have the Freedom, the Paradise, the Splendor. And the miracle. I went onto my travel agent site and I have a lot of tools, like I said, as a travel agent to be able to uh, surgically check out specific, um, I guess, uh, standards that you want to cruise by. Whether it's a pricing issue, you have uh, qualifications of location, uh, you have qualifications of what type of ship you want, what cruise line you want. I can really narrow it down and find exactly what we want. So I use that for the purposes of this. And these are all the um, cruise ships that are going to the Panama Canal from, I think, what was this? What did I say? From January to May. Or no, to ja- from January to June of 2018. That's right. That's what, that's what it excluded. There's probably other ships that are going. Uh, but... This is specifically for 2018 in Rory right now. That's probably right now is the best time to plan for something like that. I can continue to check and revise the search. The search only gives you a six-month six window, so I had to pick six months. So I wanted to get a good run of 2018 in there. So for under 3500 like I said, Princess, Coral Princess, Island Princess, Caribbean, Princess, Disney Wonder, Holland America, Amsterdam, Oosterdam, Westerdam, Norwegian, you have the star, the jade, the sun, and the pearl, and Carnival, you have the freedom, the paradise, and my two old buddies, the splendor and the miracle. So, the splendor, I think that's for a repositioning uh, situation. Probably is on the miracle too. Just some other final notes on uh panama canal cruising princess cruises seems to be the go-to line to do that they seem to be the monster on the block when it comes to the panama canal game they've been going there since 1967 and they have a tradition that's kind of cool especially if a balcony cabin doesn't matter they'll give it to you the way they provide you with markers and uh poster paper and a tradition it's called uh from panama with love And it's designed for you to write messages. As you cross through the Panama Canal, you write a message, whether you want to write, you know, Jane and Dan's anniversary cruise, hello, Panama, or we love you, Panama, or whatever political stupid message you want to write, or, you know, you want to quote Bible, whatever you want to write on this piece of paper, I'm sure you have to probably keep it, uh, no profanity, but you can send whatever your message, and they will provide you with the markers and the posters to do it, and that is a, uh, Tradition from Princess Cruises. Uh, So, for a partial transit booking, you can complete the crossing on an excursion. So, let's just say you're going into Cologne or you're going into Panama City. Uh, You can take an excursion if you have enough time that will let you complete the crossing. Uh, aside from the ship. The problem is, before you book, you need to know how much time you have in each port. For instance, I was looking up uh, <clears throat> on Princess Cruises, and I was getting all hyped up to visit Cologne. I noticed that the average port time in Cologne is like three hours. So, like I said, just make sure you plan and, you know, you don't want to miss the ship down there. Some Panama Canal crossings are exactly that, just a crossing, no stops. Uh, no cologne, no forte DMR. So you wave. That's all you got. You just wave. You're going right through, and you're, you know, getting a couple of good stops along, like what I mentioned, Cartagena. Whether it's, uh, you know, some of the other stops, Jamaica, whether it's Aruba, the, you know. But <clears throat> as far as the Panama Canal goes, your entire Panama Canal experience is going to be on the ship, and everything that you're going to experience is going to be basically with that and with the guides. That kind of, um, you know talk to you along the way, and I don't, I don't know, that seems unfortunate. I kind of want to get my feet dirty on some of that soil. A celebrity seems to give you the most time in Cologne. You get a good full day off celebrity. The best time to take a Panama Canal cruise is around the middle of November till April. They ha- make them available towards the end of August or early September, but they say that that Typically, you're still in the rainy season with that, so you may want to make sure that you wait till at least November, uh, between then and April, to take your Panama cruise. All right, so that's pretty much it as far as what I got on Panama Canal cruises right now. I'm sure it's not completely comprehensive. I'm sure there's stuff I left out. I'm definitely going to have a lot to add once I actually take the crossing. But uh, that's pretty much all I had right now. Again, please, Tommy at alwaysbebook.com. I really, really look forward to hearing your corrections, your, uh, I guess, confirmations on some of the stuff that you heard that made sense or uh, just additions that you may have had, some of the stuff that I left out. Uh, what do you think is better? Is it is it worth it to do a partial crossing? Is it a full crossing or nothing? What do you guys think? Let me know. I want to move on like we talked about before earlier in the show. We were going to introduce a couple of new segments here and there. And at the end of the show, I wanted to sign off before I signed off, make sure I got to a couple of emails from you guys, listener emails. So let's get into that right now. The first one is from Juan Valdez. And uh, he asks, uh, Tommy, I listened to your review of The Big Three and was absolutely in love with your work. Uh, Easy one with the work. I'm not sure if <laughs> you would consider this work. I am by far not Shakespeare. We're not doing anything crazy here. Anyway, moving back. Uh, Great job. Very funny. Extremely informative. I am excited to be joining the cruise world now that my kids are a little bit older. I can tell you... That I can tell that you have a lot of cruise experience with Carnival, and I am wondering if you could put out a podcast that goes over each of the different class, talking about the pros, the cons, the history, the story, and the secret tips for each class in the Carnival line. I'm also wondering, and I was really hoping to hear it in the Big 3 Review, if you would do an addendum to the Big 3 Review, where you discuss the clientele that you find on each of the lines. I think The people that surround you on the ship are very, very important, but often overlooked. Well, you can't really overlook them. All right, Juan, thank you so much for the email. I really do appreciate it. I'll get into answering a couple of your questions right now. I think it's great that you're going to join the cruise world, uh, better late than never, definitely get on board, and I'm fully confident that once you do one, you're absolutely going to be hooked. Yes, I think it's a great idea, and eventually is and was going to happen regardless. You may have seen that I've done the Norwegian, all things Norwegian cruise line. Well, you could check in the back episodes for that if you're interested in that, but that goes into each ship, each class of ship, the differences between each ship. Um, And then you asked for the demographic breakdown. That's tough to do. You just really don't know. I mean, just everybody's in a good mood, I can tell you that. You know, It's hard to say what type of people. Obviously, the more expensive the cruise, the higher class, and when I say class, I mean income level class, uh, that is going to be on those cruises. But with that comes a lot of sometimes pretension. Uh, Carnival cruises, they may not be the Rockefellers of the world, but... They're going to be some of the more funnest people that you're ever going to cruise with. So, again, you can know the class by pretty much, uh, I guess, the price. And that's pretty much what all things in life. Uh, if you're going to go on Crystal Cruises, it's going to be a bunch of rich people that are probably making a ton of money talking about the stock market and uh, talking about their one of their 20 businesses that they own and, you know, all the regions of the world that they've Traveled. Maybe some of them are rich enough to have taken one of those outer space <laughs> trips too. Who knows? Uh, if you're going on a carnival cruise ship or a Norwegian cruise ship, you're going to have real down to earth people and they're going to be looking to party, looking to have a good time. And I do not say one is better than the other. You know what I mean? That's just the difference right there. Hope that answered your question at all. Okay, let's move on. Got an interesting email, a great email from uh, Carol Jansen. And uh, She writes, I found your podcast after a couple of interviews on other radio shows. Uh, Here is my go-to song for cruising. And then she includes a song uh, called Just Go by Lionel Richie and Akon, which I did not know existed. I had no idea Lionel Richie and Akon collaborated on a song and it is called Just Go. She attached a YouTube video of the link. And I think that is a great, great song. This is mostly a reaction to my cruise, uh, songs to cruise by playlist. And I think this is a phenomenal cruise song. Amazing, great, great cruise song. And she had a uh, great, she also read, a, a, I'll write you and tell you about my 14-night southern exotic Caribbean experience, celebrity cruise we just went on and returned from in another email when I have more time. It was Fantastic. And then she also wrote in a separate email, I got back to her thinking for the email, but then she also wrote, uh, I love cruising and sort out podcast. She told me about a cruise cast, a cruise podcast that she listens to a couple other ones. Uh, and again, she listed Doug Parker's show, uh, cruise radio, as well as match Hodgeberg's, uh, uh, Royal Caribbean blue, uh, a cruise podcast, which she's absolutely right. Those are both phenomenal. Um, she writes, yours is definitely fun and lively. I've lived in Yonkers, New York for a few years growing up, a native California. but when I heard your voice. I knew you were, I heard a New Yorker. Despite now living in Orlando, you have a few sayings I am not familiar with, but I'm loving your vibe. Uh, as for the playlist, you have created, uh, have you created one to share on YouTube or Spotify? That would be fun to see what other songs come in and we can build the ultimate list. Um, so... I took that idea and actually started to run with it. Uh Carol, I think that was a phenomenal idea. Thank you for the email and thank you for the suggestion. I started a playlist on Spotify. Again, it's going to take me a day or two being uh, you know, a little bit uh technologically uh in computer semi-literate I don't have my hand wrapped around Spotify right now so I did create a playlist and I was actually trying to set it up to where you guys would be able to add to that playlist and like Carol said and she suggests I think it would be a great idea to just create the ultimate cruise playlist and how cool would it be if all of us were at sea and we all were just listening to each other's music and listening to each other's favorite songs while at sea I think that would be phenomenal Um, we should definitely do that. Okay. So thank you. I uh, appreciate that, Carol. And we'll move on from there. We got Phil, my buddy Phil. Uh, Phil uh, is asking, thanks, Tommy, um, for the podcast. What would be the best way to spend four days in New York? And where is a good steak and pizza? Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you're going to ask me one question in the world, Phil, uh, you probably, if there's one or two, Areas that I have ultimate confidence in is my ability to tell you where to spend four days in New York and where to get some good steak and pizza. Uh, in New York, you could do a bunch of stuff. I don't know what you're into. I mean, when I go back to New York now in Orlando, I uh, go through the old text messages and try to <laughs> line something up for about two, two in the morning, one and two in the morning. That's just me because, you know, I got some friends to visit, you know, later, later, and later in the evening. But Um, You know some of the stuff that you – the first part of the question, what would be the best way to spend four days in New York and what would be the best place to get good steak and pizza? Getting steak and pizza is part of one of the best ways to spend four days in New York. And if we're talking steak in New York City, my opinion, my opinion only, ladies and gentlemen, and I feel strongly about it, the number one place for me is a – it's it's got a it's not called a chain but it's got a few different locations and it's got two names They some of them are called Empire Steakhouse and some of them are called Ben and Jack Steakhouse they relatively I don't know the infrastructure of the business but they're pretty much the same owner they have the same logo they have the same menus they have the same this that whatever and I'll tell you right now that's my favorite, so you get a delicious traditional steakhouse type of experience with ultimate in service. you get the options for uh you know if you're gonna go to a steakhouse and you know what you're doing, you don't look around you just get the steak for one, two, or three That's it if you with you know uh, if you get with six people, what do you get? Two steaks for three that's it. you don't mess around with you know the steak fromage or you don't mess around with getting the fillet because no you get the porterhouse steak and you get it for however many people you're going to need to feed it. And they have whether it's Empire Steakhouse or uh, like I said Ben and Jacks, they have the Empire or Ben and Jack salad, which oh first of all, let me tell you about the cut of um, I mean, the cut of a Canadian bacon that they have. They have a thick slice of bacon that they char on the grill that is just I mean, It should be illegal, to be honest with you. So what they do is in the salad, and I don't even know how they get away with calling it a salad. It's tomato, raw onion, chopped up, diced up, also with diced up shrimp, believe it or not, and the diced up thick cut Canadian bacon. And they just toss that together, and you, I mean, they give you a dressing for it, they give you a sauce for it. I, I don't even need it. I want no part of it. Um, and that's that. That's my favorite place to get a steak. Second favorite place to get a steak is Sparks. Sparks, you may have heard of, you may not have heard of it, but it's on the east side of New York City, in Manhattan, Midtown. And it's, aside from being famous for the best, one of the best steaks in the world, it's also where uh, Paul Castellano got shot in the head in the uh, a mafia situation where John Gotti took power of the Gambino crime family. And that put it on the map. That was Paul Castellano's favorite place to eat. He was there several nights a week. John Gotti knew it, and that's where he set up the hit. You can look it up if you don't believe me. The Sparks Steakhouse hit. John Gotti, Paul Castellano, Gambino, crime Family. And that was just uh, a very, very well-known thing. Then at the end of the day, <laughs> normally you don't like to say bloody murders uh, aren't good for business. But I got to say, Sparks is probably very, very um, thankful that if somebody had to get hit, uh, that it happens right near there. Because uh, they have – it just – Create, created more um i guess i guess drama to the history and there's more allure to the you know more of a curiosity about the place because that happened uh third i gotta go with peter lugers and that's the original a lot of people put them first but to me it's just places like you know certain places like sparks places like ben and jackson uh and um and Empire Steakhouse. They've just kind of like evolved from that. You gotta give uh, Peter Luger's credit because they started what is the whole steakhouse format and it's just been a staple of New York City forever. And you still gotta give it its just due. But it's also out in Brooklyn, so you gotta to go to Brooklyn to get it. And then um, after that, I would go with Del Frisco's. Del Frisco's is a delicious steak. The problem with Del Frisco's is a little. it became a little too sceny. You know what I mean? It's more of like it originally was known for its steak and how good the steak was. But as it became more popular, it became a little bit more of like a bar crowd and like a cool guy place to hang out, Uh, maybe a little bit more than the steak. And then after that, I would go with, and this is the final one I'll tell you, is uh, Smith & Walensky's, the original one. I know there's a lot of Smith & Walensky's out there now, including the one in Miami where you can sit and watch the cruise ships go by while you sit and eat a steak. But to me, um, you know, aside from all of them in the country, the one on the east side of Manhattan is still the better one. They have really good dry-aged steaks, and uh, they do it traditionally, those ovens and those steaks, they're nice and seasoned in New York City. I think that was the first one. Did you know back in the day in Smith and & and this is a true story too, that the bartender had a business. He was a very entrepreneurial businessman, and you can judge this if you want, but this is absolutely true. The guy had a business where you can get mail that you did not want sent to your home, whether you were philandering or whether you were participating in whatever, whatever porn, whatever. Whatever you didn't want your wife to know about, he basically said you can use his Address at the bar and he would secure your uh, unmentionable mail for a price and you could always pick it up and it would always have safekeeping uh, behind the bar at Smith & Walensky's and that is on what is it on 48th and 3rd to 48th and 3rd in the city Smith & Walensky's um, what else do we have here alright next up is Aaron erin uh my name is so hi tommy my name is erin i am a frequent listener of your podcast first off i love your podcast you are informative and very entertaining so thank you for what you do my husband and i are headed out on a seven day cruise on the carnival splendor oh splendor okay uh out of miami we have a balcony room and this one on this one and we are very excited. I'm sorry. I apologize for my lack of ability to read. We went on the Sunshine for our honeymoon and we are wanting some ideas for the non-funship 2.0 ship. We are in our mid 20s and love to have a good time and are looking to avoid the kid crowd as much as possible. Would love to hear about your experience on the Splendor and any advice that you've had about the ship. If you have any advice on the excursions at the ports we are visiting, that would also be helpful. So, all right, I actually wrote back to Aaron, and let me just look at some highlights uh, from what I said. Uh, All right, so, again, the pool at the back of the ship. We all talked about that as far as that being one of my favorite places specifically Erin on the Splendor. That is a really nice layout back there. Now they say, what do they say? Okay, no more kids at the back pool. And I was doing a little bit more thinking about that. Would that keep me from going to the back pool? I was like automatically so well, clearly, I'm not going to the back of the ship anymore. But that's not necessarily true. The reality of it is, is that okay, there was always a policy of 21 and over at the back of the ship. However, where where were the guards that were you know tackling the seven, fifteen, eighteen year olds from going back there? They just didn't, you know what I mean? Now, so I always thought that it was more of a suggested thing anyway. I didn't think it was real, even though I did find out that yes, it was real. That you are you know you are supposed to be. I guess it was eighteen. I'm sorry, not twenty one. Eighteen to get back there. Now. What's going to happen? Does that mean there's going to be an army of kids charging back there? No. You know what? It's still probably going to be my favorite spot on the Carnival Splendor and every other Carnival ship. And when I do sail Carnival, it will be because of the fact that there is... A, a, a beautiful, beautiful area back there. Whether there's a couple of kids back there, I'm not going to let it bother me, certainly. Especially when everybody goes to dinner. The parents are rounding up everybody to take them to dinner around 6 o'clock anyway to get ready. So I, that is my favorite time back there, and I'm sure it'll be just as beautiful back there as ever. So the back of the ship, aft... On Carnival Splendor, you wouldn't want to spend a lot of time back there. There's also some cool music back there. You escape the Hustle and Bustle and the Contests on the Lido deck and all that stuff. Um, in the main part of Lido deck. All right. Nightclub on Deck 5. Uh, it's the best nightclub I've ever seen at sea. Its layout is absolutely perfect. The music is great, and it's always a great time. A little story about, <laughs> about that. I went on a particular cruise with my buddy Nick at one point. And we were having a good time. And we just had some really, really good times in the Splendor. Bouncing from, you know, the piano bar to the nightclub to the martini bar to wherever. Uh, We were in the comedy club one night. And this girl, it was really, really tough because it was a crowded ship and there weren't any seats left in the comedy club. And we see this girl walking around. And she's a very attractive girl. You know what I mean? So he was like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, come. Feel free to sit with us. So... We're asking her questions and you know, finding out why she's walking around this ship by herself. She's like, "No, we're just having a good time. We're having a blast," and she's like, "Everything's cool." Uh, but I'm dating this. I'm kind of dating this guy. It's not anything serious, but we're kind of dating. And you know what? He drank himself too much and he can't hang. So he's at the. Uh, he's in the room and uh, he's he's in a coma. So uh can i hang out with you guys so i'm like yeah absolutely let's hang out you know so we're watching the comedy show and we're enjoying ourselves we're having a good time and then after the comedy show we w- work our way to the nightclub and what i was going to tell you about the nightclub is that it's just set up perfectly to really really enjoy yourself it's got a full big um big large dance floor it has a very very functional peninsula bar right behind the dance floor and and it's next to the DJ booth. And then to the right of the dance floor, if you're facing inward, it has just a, a vast array of couches and seating areas. So you can go from the dance floor to the bar, Back to the dance floor, and then a very very well well built and very accommodating area of couches if you meet somebody that you want to maybe have like a little bit more uh, intimate conversation uh, or whatever else with I mean obviously you know keeping it clean we'll keep it clean, but I'm just saying you can you can get to know people a little bit better uh, uh, on in that part of the club and as far as clubs go like i said at sea it's just i'm in love with the way it's laid out so we did all that we were dancing for a little while got a couple of drinks dance floor and then we ended up just going to you know sit down and kind of talk for a little while on the couch and she was like you know i didn't really drink so much today i didn't really but you know she didn't get the drink package and the drink package you can't really share with people and all right i'll tell you that story as i tell you this story You know, you may have seen my previous uh, episode, which was the Swingers Cruise with uh, my buddy Mike. And my buddy Mike, we won't necessarily say jurisdictions or whatever, but he has a career in law enforcement and military background and private security background. So he has friends. So one of his friends works at the port in New York City. And because of this arrangement, all I need to do is, uh, you know, meet this guy we have an understanding you know i got a bar restaurant he can come in you know enjoy a few cocktails for himself maybe bring a friend by and you know some of the some of the drinks are on the arm some of the food's on the arm in exchange for that when i go on a cruise there is no stopping me from bringing whatever alcohol or whatever i want to on on the cruise ship so he says just put your bottles in a, in a carry-on so We bring a bottle of Jim Beam, a bottle of Fireball, and a bottle of Grey Goose. Grey Goose for the drinks, uh, Jim Beam for the shots, and Fireball for some. uh, You know, let's just say ladies love the Fireball. What do you want me to tell you? You want to judge? Judge? I don't care. Uh, So she's like, "This sucks. You know, it's crazy. It's drinks are so expensive, and I didn't really get that drunk, and you know, and I can't even." buy drinks because like I said, you know, but I did mention to her, you know, just I'm just putting this out there, you know, as a gentleman, (laughs) I'm just letting you know that I do have fireball in my stateroom. She was very, very happy to hear that. She was like, let's go get some fireball in your stateroom. I was like, you know, you could probably imagine I did not have to be told twice about this. So we got up and we, uh, the nightclub is on, I believe, the fifth floor. So we went right up, and then we ended up on the Lido deck because we were staying on the Lido deck. But we stayed relatively, I guess, after where the nightclub is. So if you're going straight up the elevator from the nightclub, you have to walk across the Lido deck to get back where <clears throat> forward where we were staying. So we did exactly that. So we're walking back to the room. She had already kind of like grabbed onto me. She's holding onto my arm, kind of like, you know, giving it like the, it's, a, it's got like a little bit of a date feel to it already. We walk, taking this journey all the way back to the room, and then the Lido deck, we get to it. It's completely empty. Carnival Splendor has that retractable roof that you guys may or may not have seen, and the roof was up, so it was almost like indoors. And it was, when I tell you it was empty, it was completely a ghost town. It was probably like 1 a.m., and uh, absolutely nothing was going on in the Lido deck. But we're walking across, you know that deck above the Lido deck that you could walk on? It's. It's it's what do they call it. It's like the sun deck, maybe just a, one deck above the little deck and you're overlooking the little deck. That's what we were on. We were walking on. They, we see look off into the distance and we see one figure, one human being standing next to the entrance to where the cabins lead you at, towards the forward part of the ship. And of course, this is my luck. We're well, walking with this girl. She's got her arm. She's holding on to me. And we see the guy. She's dating. He must have finally found a way to rally. He woke up. He sees us. She looks at me in a panic. I look at her. I'm like, I don't know. This is this is whatever you want to I'm follow I'll follow your lead. Go ahead. Talk. Say what you want to say. She's like, Oh, hey, and she I forgot his name. Let's call him Jim. Jim, this is Tommy. She wanted to introduce you guys. Yeah, he's really nice. We met at we met at the uh we met at the uh, nightclub, and since you ditched me, you know, we were hanging out, having a good time, and he did not look like he was in good shape. He was, you know, definitely trying to rally, knows that he's on a cruise ship, trying not to be a bad date, and I guess he just rallied just to try to try to make an attempt to find her. So, my luck. I meet him. How you doing? Shake hands. He is just either not suspicious of anything at all, or he's just not caring, or he's just in too bad a shape. So she says to him, uh, you know what? I was going to go back. Uh, with if 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 with Tommy and get some Fireball, uh, and then she just goes, uh, "You want to come?" <laughs> so he just very unenthusiastically just goes, uh, "Yeah, I'll come. I'll come." So that was the rest of my night. What do you think of that? So <laughs> we walk back to the forward part of the ship. We get to our room, and I got this girl and the guy she's dating, and the three of us are just hanging out, drinking Fireball and watching TV in my stateroom. Man, talk about bad luck. But, hey, that's what happened. All right, I'm, I'm telling you stories you don't care about. I'm, I'm, you're here for advice on the Splendor. Okay, so moving on. Thermal Spa, that was one of the first ships. The Carnival Splendor is one of the first ships, if not the first ship, that they really put a, a little bit of an extra time in the spa with and – created what is now fairly common, which is the uh, rooms, the spa package staterooms. And uh, with the spa spa package stateroom, you have access to the thermal spa. And again, to me, I don't know if you're into the hot rocks, you're into the massages, you're into the hairdos, whatever. I don't know how much you want to get involved in the spa. I highly recommend if you're not in a spa stateroom, get the thermal spa package anyway because the Splendor has a really nice thalassotherapy pool and – different array of steam rooms like maybe three or four different steam steam rooms type of steam rooms different type of aromas in them and they have the thermal room as well i definitely recommend uh taking advantage of the beautiful spa that is on the carnival splendor the piano bar is awesome i don't know that it's a lot different from a lot of the other cruise ships but the layout is really really cool it's got like the piano in the middle and has like it's not like a fake one like be honest with you they have the fake one on um you know, it's not fake, but it's not a real piano bar per se on the Royal Caribbean or Norwegian ships. It's just a piano and then a bunch of seating around the piano. The piano bar on most carnival ships is exactly that. You're you know the the, the bar is pretty much a set of keys that circumferences the 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 entire Uh, Way around the piano, and you pretty much feel like you're sitting at the piano requesting songs, singing along, part of the show, that type of thing. So I love the piano bar there. There's a hidden comfort food buffet on the floor that's right above the Lido deck. I'm sure it's not necessarily hidden, but A lot of people don't know about it. They, uh, you know, you walk around the buffet and then you walk up a flight of stairs that's towards the F portion of the buffet. And uh, you can get, you know, rotisserie chicken, delicious, you know, succulent mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese. And it's always only available in that area. They never bring it down to the regular part of Lido Deck. The steakhouse is always phenomenal. I think the steak and the comedy are two things that Carnival does better than any other cruise line uh, whatsoever um, what else uh, I guess as far as um, hidden gems you don 't necessarily i don 't find that I miss the fact that you can 't get two point features the dive in theater is cool enjoy the fact that you know when they put that it, it, when the weather isn 't perfect. They pull the um, the retractable roof over, and it turns the Lido deck into a little bit of like a living room feel. You really feel like you're inside. And while it's like, eh, you kind of like to be under the stars, <clears throat> there's something comfortable about it. You're kind of like they do the movie nights and stuff like that. Oh, also, on the back of the ship, uh, two things that are only found on the back of the ship. On one side is the deli, and one side is a tandoor, a really, really—and I'm not the biggest Indian food guy, but for some reason— I really love the Indian food. Maybe it's it says to me the only Indian food I like is cruise ship Indian food, but it's delicious. So definitely check that out. Alright, your excursions, you got Grand Cayman, that's easy, Stingray City. Also the downtown area is really really cool to walk around with. And they say a walk around in and they say that as far as a culinary experience Oh no no no, I'm sorry. I'm freaking thinking Aruba. So Grand Cayman is Stingray City. Uh you take take a boat there, that's an excursion. And the downtown area is really, really cool. Both directions from the cruise ship. You have all your uh, standards there. You have the Margaritaville, I think, right? Yeah, that's a Margaritaville, yes. Um, you have tons of stuff to do down there, tons of sights to see, tons of shopping. Cozumel is known for diving, but also cool to get a moped and just scoot around town. Uh, Carlos and Charlie's is a really popular place if you're looking to get crazy and forget what your name is. Um the best thing to do, though, in Cozumel, probably, and uh, you know, I took the advice from uh, Doug Parker, the godfather uh, of cruiseradio.net, is Mr. Sancho's resort for a day. Sign up for that, and uh, you get everything you want. It's like, I don't even know what it is, like 50 45 I shouldn't even tell you the price. It's somewhere between 50 and $80, all right, per person. What do you want me to tell you? And you go there, it's probably about, what is it? Probably about a 20-minute drive from the cruise port in a taxi. I was stupid enough to take a moped there. Uh, it was a little ridiculous. I had my helmet on driving 45 minutes to uh, call it, uh, to uh, Mr. Sancho's to meet my friends there who actually took a cab like normal human beings. But uh, it's an all-inclusive with great amenities. Uh, and the other ports you had mentioned I had not been to. Hope that helped. And that's pretty much it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. I am really, really looking forward to learning more about um, the Panama Canal. And uh, please keep those emails coming. I am going to read emails on the show every week now. So uh, I will do my best to get yours on there as well. But if I don't get on, uh, if I don't read it on air, I absolutely will respond. It's Tommy at AlwaysBeBooked.com. Once again, Instagram, AlwaysBeBooked. Also, iTunes. Please follow, uh, uh, subscribe and share and rate and review. Uh, Love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time.
0: There's a place where the boat leaves from, it takes away. I love your big problems. You got worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from. Take one part sand, one part sea, and one part set of a nine on tree. And the drinks are cold, and the reggae is hot. And I know this is the place for me. Get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away. I love your big problems. You can worry, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves, so Jimmy? Good Island somewhere Where will ride the boats And don't grab your coat You won't need it Where we are going Get away To where the boat leaves from It takes away I love your big problems You could worry You could drop them In the blue ocean But you gotta get away To where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down down in the sand where it's cool put me down and when i fall on my stool put me down i'll just sleep there till morning comes round. with sunshine 10 ladies and pina coladas and bob marley songs that are playing there's a song in my ear that i want you to hear soft tropical lips that are singing